Welcome to the St. Rita's Continuing Medical Education Podcast. This is Dr. Mark Colley. Today's topic will be on colon cancer screening. To discuss this with me, I have Dr. Sheena Patel. Dr. Patel is board certified in gastroenterology and internal medicine. She is a partner with GI Associates in Lima, is on the medical staff at St. Rita's. Dr. Patel, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. So Dr. Patel, let's jump right in. From a gastroenterologist's perspective, why is screening for colon cancer important? So that's a great question. So basically, colon cancer is the second leading cause of cancer-related deaths in the United States. And it's one of the most preventable causes of cancer. So what we quote is, screening actually saves lives here. Good. What, what are the rates or prevalence of colon cancer uh, that we tend to see? So nationally, we usually quote one in the average risk patient would have a risk of one in 20 um, in developing colon cancer. So you mentioned uh, average risk patients. So moving more towards screening, who should be screened for colon cancer in an average risk population? So in an average risk population, uh, depending on obviously um, race, it, sh- it varies from anywhere from age 45 to 50. So I'd like to talk now about the different screening tests. So let's start with the colonoscopy. Can you talk about the basics of a colonoscopy as a screening test? So I think personally that, you know, and it is known GI in the GI world that um, colonoscopies are the gold standard um, because you get to actually, it's both diagnostic and therapeutic. So colonoscopy, the sensitivity and specificity is 98 and 97% respectively. Um, I think it's the gold standard of screening for colon colon cancer. I could say in my practice that a lot of times when I'm talking to patients about getting a colonoscopy, they ask me more or less what to expect with that. Can you talk about that a little bit? So any patient that comes into the office to see me, I kind of walk through the morning for them. Obviously, there is a prep associated with the colonoscopy, and Usually that prep is probably the most bothersome and most feared um, part of the procedure. Uh, Patients will drink some sort of laxative the night before the procedure and occasionally the day of the procedure or the morning of the procedure. We have them come to our if it's done at our endoscopy center or even at St. Rita's um, endoscopy center, they come in and uh, they are in the pre-op area uh, prior to the procedure. And then we bring them into the, um, the endoscopy suite. And anesthesia usually uh, will administer some sort of anesthetic, usually propofol, um, prior to the procedure beginning. So I usually tell patients that you shouldn't remember anything and you shouldn't feel anything, mm-hmm. which is great compared to other um, administered forms of anesthesia. And then we take a flexible hollow um, lighted tube, um, roughly the thickness of a pen or a little bit thicker, um, and insert it in the rectum and push it through to the end of the colon. and. Usually that takes about 15, 20 minutes. Great. And you had mentioned the prep, and I know in a recent meeting we, uh, you had mentioned that the prep has changed quite a bit over the years. So can you talk about what uh, some of the preparations are now? So we have a lot of marketed preps, and um, those preps have changed in volume, but with the 
change in the volume and decreasing the volume, the trade-off is the taste of the prep. Mm -hmm. And so um, I usually tell patients, I've tried every single one of my preps um, that I uh, prescribe. They all taste awful, but at the end of the day, it's just getting it down and getting just being cleaned out. So when patients call me when I'm on call and saying that they, they're not tolerating the prep, they're vomiting, my aim and my goal is just to have them sip on it until they're you know having clear bowel movements it's not Mm -hmm. we're not trying to get it down in a certain amount of time you know quote unquote chug it down sure (laughs) we just want to stay down so that we can get them cleaned out because the whole the whole point of that is and this is the most important part the cleaner the colon the best picture Mm -hmm. that we're going to get and the better you know, that will be able to localize the polyps. Okay. Well, what are the risks or disadvantages to doing a colonoscopy? So the biggest risk that I quote um, to my patients is that there's a risk of infection. um, There's a risk of bleeding, um, just doing the procedure and also removing polyps. And then the last um, risk that I quote is um, the risk of perforation. But the risk of perforation is roughly one in five thousand cases, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I even quote that one in every five thousand cases we have some sort of complication, whether that's you know abdominal pain, pulse op, um, or whether that's you know a perforation. Okay. Well, what is the frequency of testing that most patients will need for colonoscopy? So it all varies, but if we don't find any polyps, the great news is that you don't have to do it for another 10 years. But if you have polyps that may range from, depending on how many we find, three to five years. Okay. So the next test I want to talk about is the Cologuard, which is a newer test. Can you speak to uh, what's being tested for with a Cologuard test? So I will touch base on, so basically what it is is the FIT test plus um, a DNA component that we use um, to detect altered DNA in the stool. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of combining what we already have, um, but adding a little bit more specific, um, basically a, a little bit more specific of a test um, to it so that we can increase our sensitivity okay. and specificity. And I wanted to talk about disadvantages. So false positives, um, what potentially could cause one of those? So you can get a false positive. So if you're eating rare meat mm-hmm. the night before, or even sometimes where that um, during that w- week, you can get a false positive. Um, I see more false false positives with the fit test because if you do an aggressive digital rectal exam or some sort of exam prior to it, or you have bleeding hemorrhoids, it's going to detect that. Sure. And what's the frequency of testing for a Cologuard? So usually it's every one year, um, but I have seen it tested every one to three years. Okay. Uh, The other testing, and we've mentioned it already, is the fit test. So what is tested for with the fit test? So the fit test is um, basically using, um, it's a test that we use um, antibodies to detect blood in the stool. And um, it's a test that can be done at home as well. So. How does a FIT test differ from a fecal occult blood test? 
So in a fecal occult blood test, good correction, um, it's basically using the chemical guaiac um, to detect blood versus using these antibodies, which is a little bit more, increases the sensitivity mm -hmm. of the test. So how accurate are the different tests that we just mentioned? So the Colgard test has a sensitivity of 92% um, and a specificity of 87%. The FIT test has a sensitivity of 13% to 79% and a specificity of 86 to 97%, while FOBT has a sensitivity of 10 to 30% and a specificity of 86 to 96%. So given the large amount of potential false positives with uh, the stool-based testing, when given the option, you should always try to push for a colonoscopy first. Would that be fair to say? Yes. Um, I actually, you know, it's funny because we offer FOBT testing or FIT testing or cold guard testing. I mean, if they test positive, we're sending them for a colonoscopy anyways. Sure. So this is something I think I only really see on boards, but they do say you can use a flex sigmoidoscopy and fecal occult blood testing for screening. Do you see that used much? And if you do, what's its role? So I actually don't see it used at all in my practice or um, my colleagues' practices. It's still one of the choices that can be used um, for colorectal cancer screening. Okay. Um, at least once a year, I'll talk to patients about colon cancer screening. They'll ask me, you know, can I just do a CT scan or can I do that thing where they swallow the pill? Do capsule endoscopy or CT scans have any role for screening purposes for colon cancer screening? So, um, you know, I actually use that as a last resort on a patient that I've actually had failed a colonoscopy because for whatever reason, just because their anatomy or so forth, um, to take a look and make sure that we're not missing any masses if, if we can't get to the end of the colon. But again, it's listed as one of the potential um, uh, ways to screen for colorectal cancer. So I I haven't seen it used as much because I don't think it's readily available here uh -huh. in Lima. Um, but again, once again, if it's positive, you are getting, a, getting col a colonoscopy. colonoscopy. Yeah. So you're actually prepping twice for that because for the CT colonography, you actually do a bowel prep for that just mm -hmm. like a colonoscopy. And then it takes uh, basically images that make a 3D image um, to produce what the colon looks like. Um, and this only detects polyps that are greater than six millimeters. So keep in mind, you're missing those little ones mm -hmm. that we're trying to prevent from growing over your lifetime. Now, do you run into any insurance issues or an insurance coverage for any of these tests? So I think the biggest thing that I run into, I do a lot of colonoscopies, obviously, and I get a lot of referrals from primary care practices. And um, the biggest thing that I run into in terms of colonoscopies is, is it screening or is it diagnostic? Mm -hmm. And a lot of patients get upset because they'll come in and have, you know, decided, okay, I'm going to get my screening colonoscopy done. But depending on your insurance company, as soon as we find something, it turns into a diagnostic sure. procedure. And unfortunately, you get billed that way. And not that it's right. Um, Unfortunately, you know, that is what happens. But I always tell patients, you know, if you wouldn't have gotten that done, you who knows where this polyp could have reached. Uh -huh. And, you know, again, going back to where we started, 
you know, screening does save lives in this case. Sure. So we talked about the average risk population. What populations of patients need screened at an earlier age or more frequently? So there are a few um, patient populations that I specifically um, screen earlier, and that's basically um, according to GI guidelines that should be screened earlier. Patients that have any family history of a first-degree relative, um, with colon cancer. Usually we start them at age 40 or 10 years before the um, diagnosis of the patient, uh, the relative with colon cancer. Mm-hmm. I always screen African Americans before the um, uh, Cancer Society change their um, age uh, for colorectal cancer screening. I um, screen them at age 45 because that population is, uh, for some whatever reason, at increased risk for colon mm-hmm cancer. Yeah, um, and, and I want to touch on that. So about, I think it was a little over a year ago, the American Cancer Society changed their recommendations for colon cancer screening in average risk individuals to start at age 45. Can you speak a little bit to that? Is it just for certain populations or do you feel that all populations should be scheduled or should be screened earlier? It's interesting that you bring that up. So I think um, the American Cancer Society, you know, um, changed the guidelines because we're seeing we're seeing a lot of younger uh adults getting diagnosed with colon cancer mm-hmm. uh, i mean in the last week i've had probably two patients under the age of 45 diagnosed with colon cancer and so um it's just trying to capture a bigger crowd mm-hmm. because usually we say 50 but the first patient usually doesn't come in till probably 55 Mm -hmm. and so we've you know we're lagging by five years i think that the gi societies even though they haven't changed i think they will follow suit um because there are many studies that are going on uh of whether we should decrease that age because we can capture more Mm -hmm. cancers so um you touched on it a little bit but have any other organizations lowered uh their age for what when you should start screening so I, of what I know, just the American Cancer Society, again, the GI cancer, or the GI societies have not followed suit yet. Okay. So Dr. Patel, any final thoughts that you have for our audience on colon cancer screening? Just get screened. Sure. Well, I'd <laughs> like to thank Dr. Patel for being our guest. I would also like to thank our audience for listening. If you have any future topics you would like for us to cover, any guests you would like for us to speak with, please reach out to me at mdkahle at mercy.com. Thank you.